I want you to look at your neighbor and uh, tell them you're glad they're here. Now, now look at the other side. Look at the other one. Don't leave them out. Tell them you're, you're glad they're here. You know, what's amazing is that God keeps filling this room up, and it's not because of us. It's because of him. And so we're excited today to have a full room. I want you to know we are working on trying to get a bigger room. So keep praying. Uh, I know I kind of teased you a few weeks back and told you that we were close. And I still think we're close. We're just God's changing his plan. And so if you know what God wants us to do, then please tell us because we're praying regularly. But we believe that God has not brought us this far to leave us hanging. So uh, we're excited about what the future looks like for Connection Church. And uh, we want you to be a part of it. So if this is your first time here, I know you walked in and went, holy smoke, where are all these people? Why, why, why is this room so crowded? Uh, but God is doing a work here. So uh, just be patient. We are, we are working hard to try to find more seats, more room, uh, because that's a great challenge to have. Uh, as I said last week, most people go and play in the summer, so you guys must love Jesus more because you're at church in the summertime. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for being here. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a seat, uh, one in the seats in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that one home with you. We love giving away copies of God's Word. And just to be perfectly honest, they've been flying off the shelf here lately, and so that's awesome. We love to send out copies of God's Word with you as you leave. We're in the middle of a series called Loving the City as we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5 through 7, we began at the first of the year and we've taken pieces of it along the way and we're back in it uh, with this series where we're talking about what it means to do more than just talk about loving people, but to actually put that love into action to take it to the streets and to show people the love of Christ in a practical way where they can see the gospel living out through you and I in, in their lives in a way that they can see their need for Jesus. And so this morning we're, we're uh, in verses 6 through 8, excuse me, 5 through 8, where Jesus is instructing us on how to pray and how not to pray. So let me, let, let me just read this scripture to you. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then he goes into what is known as the Lord's Prayer that we'll begin to look at next week. But I want us to look beginning in verse 5. Because Jesus begins this section, which is in the middle of this instruction where Jesus has told us, chapter 5, how to be blessed. Jesus has told us some things and how we need to live, how we need to be salt and light, some things that we need to avoid, some, some problem areas in our life in chapter 5. Jason very uh, eloquently last week did a great job showing us how that we can be givers, how we can give and not be uh, trying to build ourselves up in that giving but to give generously from our heart. And then Jesus says in verse 5, he says, Now, when you pray, and I want to just stop right there, because if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, praying is an expectation of your lifestyle. 
It's not a pull the emergency alarm type of deal. It's not just when it's convenient for you. It's not something that you just do when you sit down at the, at the dinner table and you do a little cross and a throw a Hail Mary or whatever it is. It, 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 is, a, it is a part of your life. Jesus, there's an expectation here that when you pray, that you should pray like this, not if. It's a reminder that we need a conversation with the Holy God. You see, we were created to have that relationship with God. Listen to what one writer said. He said, prayer is the pursuit of God's glory and the pursuit of our joy and the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. So it is our desire to glorify God. It is our desire to try to bring joy into our life. And it is our confession that, God, we cannot do this on our own. That's what prayer is. The most intimate and important communication, one writer said, is the prayer that you have with God. It is an expected action of a follower of Jesus Christ to be a person of prayer, not just as an action. There's a problem when the regular communication isn't happening. It's not just something that we do when we feel like we need it. We do it every single day, every moment. In fact, uh, the writer of the New Testament says that we pray without what? Ceasing. So our lifestyle is to be a lifestyle of prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that when you're driving down the road that you close your eyes and bow your head and pray. You can pray with your eyes open. Now, I know some of you come from some backgrounds uh, denominationally that just believe that if you got your eyes open that Jesus can't hear you, but I want you to know Jesus can hear you, okay? And if you're, if you're praying while you're driving with your eyes closed, then please let us know when you leave the house, okay? You see, the miracle of the cross is that we have direct access to the holy of holies. What happened at the cross was a game changer. You see, when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was rent. And we now, as, as nobodies, I'm a nobody, okay? I'm not important because of me, but because I'm an adopted child of the king, I get to go into the holy of holies, and I get to have a conversation with the God who created the whole world. So you gotta, you got to grasp a hold of that. And so that's why when Jesus says, listen, I, I, I don't say, if you pray, it is when you pray. And I'll just tell you as a, as a last note, I'm so glad that when you pray, you don't have to go through a priest or a preacher. Not that I don't love you, but if I had to hear all your garbage, I mean, I love you and all, but I really want you to just take that to God. You don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through someone who is qualified. You, just, you, you, you get to usher your own life, your own heart, your own prayer request into the Holy of Holies to an awesome God who can answer your prayer. He says, verse 5, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. As Jason defined last week, hypocrites in that Greek culture was what an actor would do. What does an actor do? An actor pretends to be something that he is not. And so what was happening in that culture were that there were people who were praying and they were pretending to be something that they weren't. They were trying to play like they were religious. It was as if on Sunday morning they got all dressed up and they came to church and they smiled and said, my life is great, I love Jesus, and nothing's wrong in my life. Of course, that doesn't happen in our world today, right? Right? <laughs> right. You see, he said, don't be like the hypocrites because they pretend to be something or someone that they are not. Can I tell you something about Connection Church? We don't want you to pretend 
We want you to be real. And so that's why we say no perfect people are allowed here because we want you to be able to come in your heart and to say, you know what, Doug, it's not okay. And I need a friend. And I need a church family. And I need someone who can help me walk through these tough days. But Jesus said, listen, there are people who are, who are playing something. They're playing an act because, look at verse 5, it says, because they love. Stop right there. They were out for their desires. They were out to try to puff themselves up. They, they were very selfish. They were ungodly in their desires. They were seeking self-promotion. Listen to what one writer said. He said, the issue is not the method or the frequency of prayer, but the attitude of faith that underlines and inspires those prayers. Can I tell you this? You can pray the most eloquent prayer that is hollow. You can say words that seem to pray down the heavens, and if your heart is not there, what Scripture tells us is that you are bothering God. Catch that? That, that God says, Jesus will later say it's like Babel. You know what Babel is? That's when you're sitting in the room with somebody, and they've been talking for five minutes, and you haven't been listening. You ever been there? I won't say husbands or wives. We won't, we won't get into marriage counseling this morning or anything like that. But if, if, you, if, if you've been listening and they've been da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da and, and you go, what do they, how long have they been talking? In fact, uh, I, I, there's a person in my life, I won't name this person, but sometimes they talk and, and then I realize they're talking to me. It's not my wife. But I, I realize they're talking to me and I, I, I want to go, how long have you been talking to me? Because I, I wasn't listening. <laughs> now, I know the scripture says that God hears our prayers, but he says when those her- prayers are hollow, when they lack faith, when they are just trying to impress the world that they have no power. You see, it says that Jesus said that they love, look look at verse 5, it says they love to find places, church, they love to pray at church. They love to get out on the street corner. You see, in that day and time, there was a lot of pomp and circumstance with the religious society, and they would dress up in a certain way, and, and they would stop in the middle of town, and they would begin to pray with eloquent words to impress the crowd so that they might think that they are holier than they are. See, their purpose was to find a place where they could be heard and they could be seen. Now, I want you to understand this is not an instruction for us to abandon public prayer. That's not what Jesus says. In fact, if you read Scripture, Jesus prays in public, and he, his disciples pray in public. And so it's not, it's not a taking away of public prayer, but it is an instruction that when you pray, it shouldn't be about me impressing you. It should be about me communicating with God, and you're just listening in. There's a difference, isn't there? Have you ever been in a church service? There was a guy when I was growing up, and he prayed the same prayer verbatim every time he prayed. Every time the pastor would call him in to pray, verbatim he would, he would pray the same prayer. Now, I don't know his heart, but the same exact prayer every time? i got to question that. You see, but I've also been in those prayer meetings when I have heard what might have been the simplest prayer that seem to drop the Holy Spirit into that room in a powerful way. It is not the words that you say. It is the condition of your what? Heart. That's what Jesus says. He says they love to to find places to pray. And then he says, it's very interesting, at the end of verse 5, he says they will have their reward. (laughs) In other words, what, what they are seeking, that immediate satisfaction, somebody might be impressed. 
by what they say. But Jesus is asking the question is what is going on in their heart. One writer said this, prayer is to be communion with God, not a means of one increasing their own reputation. It's not about what you think about what I pray. It's about what God thinks. Look at verse 6. He says, then again, he says it again, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Jesus very clearly gives us some instructions. He says, listen, if you're going to pray, that expected action of a believer in Christ, if you're going to pray, go into your room. Find a place in your world where you can shut things off. I tell you what's, you know, it's, it's really funny to me. I'm, I'm getting old enough that I, I, can, I can see how technology has advanced in the last 40 plus years of my life. And in the, in the beginning, that was for effect. Uh, in the beginning, uh, they promised that it would make us more efficient, Right? That if we had computers, that it would make us more efficient and we would be faster and we'd have more free time. Well, I don't know about you. I got gadgets everywhere. I got a computer in my pocket. I got a computer on my desk. I got a computer that I can pick up and leave with. And I'll tell you what it has done is it has not made me more efficient. It's made me fill my life up with more stuff. And so what you have to do and what I have to do, I've never been officially diagnosed with ADD, but I know that I have to have it close because I can't pay attention. And so I have to turn off everything in my life. I can't sit with the computer. I can't have my phone around me. I've got to find a place. In fact, in my office, I have a chair that I sit in that's away from my desk because I have to mentally check out of everything else and just focus on God. Go into your room. And then he says what? Shut the door. You know what that means? It means that you've got to find a place that that people will leave you alone and respect you. That, That they will give you that moment to be able to be free from distraction, to be focused, to have purpose. And then he says to pray. Now they didn't have iPhones and iPads and i whatever back in Jesus' day, but do you think that it fits in our world today to have to do that? Shut the door. And then you pray. Prayers like this. Listen to Scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Second Chronicles 7.14. Matthew 7.7. 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you wish and it will be done to you. Matthew 17.20. If you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Listen to me. When we get in our room and we shut the door and we pray to our Father who is in secret, we are able to have power that will literally change your life and your universe. If you believe that God's word is true, that when we pray that God hears us and he will change things in my heart, that he will change things in your life, that he will change things in your world. That, that friend that needs Jesus, when you pray, listen, God loves that person more than you do. And when we're able to finally shut off all the garbage from the world, when we're able to finally get everything cleared out of our head and for just a moment to have that clear time of our day, 
then we can feel, I don't know about you, but I, I can feel the burden of the heart of God for those people in my life who need Jesus. I can begin to feel the weight of my sin and my need for confession. I begin to feel that the power of God is something that I need. As, as, as John Piper quote that I gave you earlier, that I confess to God that I cannot do this on my own. You see, that's why Jesus said, go into your room to shut your door and to pray. Listen to what the message translation, how it translates these verses. I love what it says. It says, and when you come before God, do not turn it into a theatrical production. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping stardom. Do you think that God sits in a box seat as if he is waiting to see our performance? Listen, here's what I say to you. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can imagine. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. Jesus said these words, he who sees you in secret will reward you in secret. Here's the problem with living in the world, that when we go out these doors, when we go out of the secret place, when we go out of that quiet place, we begin to think that it's all about us. We need to be reminded every day that as we sit in the presence of God, that it's not about us at all. It's about him. So Jesus says, well, you will get your reward when you're able to finally shut it all down and to recognize who is king and who is not king. Look at verse 7. He says it again. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. There are two warnings here that Jesus gives. He says, don't pray empty phrases and don't pray with many words. Some things never change, right? Sometimes we believe that if you love Jesus that you pray longer, right? Preachers do that. You can talk bad about us. We're, I'm right here, okay? So sometimes we think that if, if I can just say the most eloquent theological prayers that God will hear me more. I'll tell you who I love to hear pray. Children and new believers. You know why? Because we hadn't messed them up yet. <laughs> we, we haven't given them those King James phrases that they think they got to say to get closer to God. Or they, they've listened to somebody else pray and then they get scared that they don't, they're not holy enough. I love to hear children and new believers pray because their hearts are pure. And, and, and they're not caught up in all the things that they think they have to say. When I listen to my children pray and they pray for their friends, and they pray for their city, and they pray for things that are meaningful to them. That is the purity that I think that God wants us all to come back to. So if we could leave the rhetoric, if we could leave the ver verbosity of our, of our language to the side, and we could just for a moment focus on our hearts speaking to God, that's what Jesus says. You see, Jesus was confronting, listen to this, Jesus was confronting unbelieving prayers. I've been in church all my life. I was born on a Sunday morning at 945. That used to be Sunday school time. I'm telling you, the next Sunday I was in church and I've been there most of my life. Here's what I know. I've listened to people pray and I believe with all my heart that they had no belief that Jesus was going to answer that because they were not praying in that way. It was almost they were going through religious action. As I say they, I mean me too. 
because I've prayed those prayers believing, ah, you know, I don't know if God can do this or not. Well, something has changed in my heart, and I hope that it will change in your heart because I believe that God loves me and he loves you. And if you're a child of God, that God is listening to your prayers. And not only does he want to answer them, but he wants to bring his power down in a way that it's unmistakably him. You see, the follower, uh, the, the, the Greek culture that Jesus was speaking into, they thought if, if, if I can just pray uh, uh, enough prayers if I can repeat enough religious phrases, then the, the false gods of that day, they thought that they would hear them better. We see this in the Old Testament when they're on the mountaintop and they're repeating phrases. They're, they're repeating the same things. And, and the, the, the prophet of that day actually made fun of them and said, shout louder, maybe he's asleep. <laughs> but you know what? I see that in the church today. That if we say enough, if, we, if we're... If we're uh, verbal enough, we think that God will hear us. Jesus also confronted these empty phrases, this, this babble as it's translated in some versions. He, Jesus essentially said that many words are not the way to the heart of God, but prayers that are filled with faith. Did you hear that? Many words are not the way to the heart of God, but those prayers that are filled with faith. What God wants to hear from you and what he wants to hear from me is, God, we believe whether we like your answer or not, that your answer is best. That whatever you tell us to do, wherever you tell us to go, whatever instruction, whether it's yes or no, whether it's wait, although it may be hard for us to take, we believe that your answer is best because we believe in you. And when that happens, we begin to get the heart and the ear of God. You see, long prayers, short prayers, it's not that matters. In fact, this, this doesn't say don't pray a long time. Jesus prayed all night. <laughs> it says it's what's in your heart that matters. And then he said this, look. He says, when you pray, you must believe. Martin Luther said that we need to pray as if it all depends on God. Pray as if it all depends on God. Because you know what? It all does depend on God. Anybody in here in complete control of your life? If you think you are, you're a fool. You can't control anything in your life. That's, that's one of the problems with our human mind is that we think we're in control when really we are out of control. The only person that can be in control of our life is God and Him alone. If we begin to pray, believing with faith that God can do amazing things how would that change our world look at verse 8 then 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 he says this he says this interesting thing he says he says don't be like them okay he follows that up don't don't be like them but then he says this for your father knows what you need before you what well then why even pray why should I pray if God already knows what I need? If, if God already knows what's going on in my life, if, if he already knows, then, then why should I even pray? In fact, there's some people believe that, that you don't need to pray because God already knows. Listen, uh, one, one writer said this, listen. He said, don't pray as if you were informing God. He already knows, okay? Another one says, by praying, I love this. By praying, we are instructing ourselves more than we are God. God already knows what you need. When you go to God and say, God, is this the job? God already knows which job you need. It says before you even prayed, God knew what you needed. Maybe he's just waiting for you to say, God, it's not what I want, but what 
you want. It is a submission. You see, one of the things that we forget in America, and I think it's very unhealthy for us to forget this, because we don't live in a monarchy. We don't live with a king. We have a president, and we elect him, and we give him permission to rule over us. Uh, We're not getting into politics, but we give him permission to be the president. And the king, if, if, if he was a king, he has supreme authority, life, death, whatever he wants to do. And we forget because we elect our president that we think maybe we can elect God today and then we'll vote in a new God next time. Listen, that's not how it works. God's in control whether you want to admit it or not. In fact, Scripture says if you don't want to admit it now, you'll admit it later. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. You see, we, we get to thinking that, that we, we, God needs to agree with us. And what happens in your spiritual walk is when the, the game changes in your life, when you understand that it's not what you want, but it's what God wants in your life. And when you begin to pray, asking God what is His will, and so by praying to an all-knowing God, understanding that He knows what you need and that His will is best, this means that we begin to trust God. So verse 8 says, God already knows what you need before you ask Him. It is a process of us understanding our place in the realm of the kingdom and understanding that God has a purpose and a plan that goes beyond us. So let's bring this home. If we look at this scripture, what we see are three warnings. Jesus says that we should heed these three warnings. Listen, he says, avoid pride in your praying. Avoid pride in your praying. If you're thinking about what somebody else will hear when you pray, then just stop. (laughs) Just don't do it pass on, let somebody else pray. Because if you're trying to impress other people, then you're missing the whole point. The second warning that Jesus gives us here is to avoid praying meaningless prayers. If you don't believe that God can change it, don't pray it. Don't ask him to do it. Don't don't ask God to save your friend if you're not willing to tell him about Jesus. Don't ask God to help us love our city if you're not willing to put shoe shoe leather to the pavement and go and be a part of that. Don't, don't pray meaningless prayers. Don't ask God to for his spirit to fall on this place and yet not be willing for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Heed the warnings of Jesus. He also says to avoid earthly rewards for eloquent prayers. If somebody compliments you on how lovely you pray, maybe you need to put a check in there, make it a little ugly. (laughs) You know, it's not the eloquence of your prayers that that God hears, it's the heart. And then he he says, "Those those are the warnings, so this is how we live it out. Listen to this, to find your place. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're really going to be able to learn to pray like a follower of Jesus, then you need to find your place. Somewhere in your house, somewhere in your world, somewhere in your office, somewhere in your, in your life. It may be the garage, it could be the bathroom, it could be, I, I don't know where your Holy of Holies is. I had a guy tell me one time, the only place in my house with four girls is the bathroom that I can get away and lock the door. Okay, Wherever it is that you have to go, 
You need to find a place. You need to find a time when you're not distracted. You need to turn your phone off. You need to let everybody know that this is a time that I need to be by myself, not as in, hey, watch me, I'm going to be holy, but I'm going to close this door and, and uh, I need to hear from Jesus. I need to talk to Jesus. Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father. And then, then the second thing that I would say is not only find your place, but to pray believing. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by what? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And listen to what he says he will do. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that passage. It says that when we when we pour our heart out, when we pray to a holy God, we believe that he will bring us a peace that the world does not understand. Bill Hybels said this. He says, people are drawn to prayer because they know that God's power flows primarily to people who pray. It was very interesting to me when the planes flew into the towers on 9-11, how many people wanted to be around people who prayed? People who didn't have anything to do with Jesus now wanted to talk to the God of all creation. You know why? Because deep within their own heart, they knew that there's power in prayer. One other writer said this, listen to this. He said, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. His supernatural strength is available to praying people who are convinced to the core of their beings that he can make a difference. Skeptics may argue that answered prayers are only coincidences, but it's amazing how many coincidences occur when one begins to pray. You see, when we work, when we think we're in charge, when we're doing it, it's all about us. But when we pray, we understand that it is God working. I'll tell you a prayer that I have prayed since the day that we stepped into Spearfish, South Dakota to plant this church was that God would do something that we could never explain, that we could never take credit for, and it would always be bigger than us. And I believe that that will be the prayer of my heart till the day I die. Because when it's about me, when it's about what I can do, when it's about what our church staff can do, when it's about our leadership can do, when it's about some event that we can create, then it's about us. But when it's all about God, when we're asking him and his power to come in and do a work, then God will get the credit and he will get the glory. The last thing that I would ask you to do today is not only to find a place to pray believing, but lastly, to listen. The Old Testament says that we should be still and know that he is God. The problem with our prayers is they most of the time are one way. They're, they're about what we need, as if God is some spiritual Santa Claus that we drop off our list and we tell him what we want and he should just, he should just follow through with everything that we desire. But what God wants to do is to speak into your heart. But often we're too busy to listen. My question for you this morning is what is God saying to you? Because he speaks. I believe it. Now, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I believe he can do that. He's never spoken audibly to me, but I want you to know there have been multiple times in my life where although he did not hear in a way that I heard through my ears, I heard it much more clear through my heart. 
He spoke to me in a way that was undeniable. He spoke to me in a way that I knew it was his voice, it was his heart, it was his plan. What is God saying to you today? What is his heart speaking into your life today? Be still and know that I am God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I, I, I with all my being, believe that God wants to say something to you today. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to speak into your heart. He has, he has work for you to do. He has things in your life that you need to change. He has his priorities of which you have set aside and done your priorities. I don't know what God is saying to you, but I'm going to ask you today to listen. Maybe you don't know Jesus today. I want you to know God is speaking to you. If you're without Christ, hear the words of Jesus this morning that he loves you that he cares for you, that he went to down a cross for your sins. Scripture says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. If you're tired of running away from God today, understand you don't have to run anymore. God is standing here waiting for you. In fact, his love story is written in the book of Romans where it says God demonstrated his love for you and that while you were still sinners, while you were still a sinner, that Christ died for you. He paid the price for your sins. He's speaking to you today. He brought you into this place so that you could hear that if you will confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then he says this amazing phrase. He says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, God speaks. Back a few years ago, there was a movement that said God is dead. I want you to know God is alive, and he speaks, and he's speaking this morning. Are you listening? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that this day you will hear the voice of God and that you will stop running and that you will be willing to say, God, it's not about me anymore. It's about you. Scripture says that if you will confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive. It says that he has salvation in him alone. And that, that if you will ask him to forgive your sins and come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, that Jesus will save you. He doesn't say that you've got to measure up first. He doesn't say you've got to have everything in order. You haven't got to have your life all all cleaned up before you come to him come to him what it says is that if you come to Christ and you're honest as we talked about the communication of prayer that you're honest and saying God I can't do this on my own I need you that Jesus will save you he did it for me not because I deserved it not because I'd earned it but because he loved me but it's not just for me, it's for you. So if you're in this room and you've never asked Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior right now, right where you sit, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to ask you to give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Silently, right where you are in your seat, you can pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. I confess all of my sins 
the good, the bad, the ugly, all of me, I confess it to you and ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me, to make me clean. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried, and on the third day you rose from the dead and you're alive today. I invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, Scripture tells us it's not the magic words that you say, but it's the condition of your heart and what you said from your heart. And if you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart today, Scripture says that Christ saved you. In fact, heaven is celebrating the decision that you made to give your heart to Jesus. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not because I'm going to point you out, not because I'm going to come to you, but because I want to pray for you. If you prayed this morning for the first time and asked Jesus into your heart, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's just me that's looking. I just want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up right now? I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. All across the room, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you. Anybody else? Thank you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that the gospel, the good news of what you've done for us, isn't for our glory, but it's for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, that today you have saved souls in this room. God, thank you that the power of your blood has covered our sins. And Lord, we can be forgiven. Lord, you wipe the slate clean and you allow us to start over with a new life in you. You tell us, Paul tells us that we are a new creation, that you are creating something new inside of us when we give our heart to Jesus. God, I thank you for those who raised their hands this morning because, Lord, we believe that you are creating a new person in them. Lord, that you're going to change their heart. You're going to give them new desires. You're going to draw them in, into a relationship with you that will literally change not only their today, but will change their eternity. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that. God, I pray for those who raised their hand, even for those maybe who prayed the prayer and didn't have the courage to raise their hand. Lord, would you give them the courage to tell somebody what they've done, not to keep it hidden inside on a, on a pretty shelf in the back of their heart, but Lord, to be willing to say, I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done in my life, and I want you to walk with me in that journey. Lord, I, I pray that as followers of Jesus Christ who are all throughout this room, Lord, that we would learn to find a place in our life, to, to find a quiet spot, to pray believing that you literally can change our lives and then, God, to listen when you speak. Lord, we're, we're men and women who have failed. But Lord, we want to be like you. Teach us to follow you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we honor you and we thank you that the cross is real and it has changed lives today. We pray this in the mighty name and the power of the Holy God.